In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are a number of unique features to Luke's telling of Jesus' passion. Here are three of them that I think that he would wish to press in to our hearts. One, from Jesus, a word of permission. Two, from Jesus, a word of pardon. And three, a word from Jesus that is a word of promise. First, a word of permission. Daughters of Jerusalem, weep for yourselves and for your children. On his way to saving the world, the Savior offers a staggering acknowledgement of the grief of the women who have gathered as mourners along the way. Allow me to summarize one of Jesus' harder sayings, this one about if the green wood is to burn now, how much more will the, the, the dry wood burn later? On this day, green wood, that is, this one who is not about violence, is being given over to the fire. In time, dry wood, that is, those who promote violence, will assure that the whole city burns. Today he acknowledges to the daughters of Jerusalem that the day will come when they wonder why it was even, whether it was worth even having children. The foolishness of the world is having its way and foolishness will pay its price. It's okay Jesus says to these mothers who will know such loss, it's okay to weep and mourn. There are some experiences that that I know I will never go through or pain that I, I will just never understand. One of those is childbirth. Another is the death of one to whom you've given birth. I stood beside my mother as she buried a son, realizing that there was an unbridgeable gap between my sadness as a brother and hers as a mother, just is. Mothers lose children to various things, to sickness, accidents, Natural disasters, of course. Mothers lose children to bad choices that spiral out of control. Addictions, criminality, suicide. Mothers also lose children to human meanness and evil and folly. To street violence. In some places in the world to forced conscription. In the sad history of race relationships in the United States, African-American mothers have lost children to lynchings. Anywhere in the world now, a parent, a mother might lose a child to human trafficking. 
Jesus is saying to these daughters of Jerusalem and to all daughters of God of all time, weep for the folly, weep for your loss, but then ultimately give the pain to me. Let me bear it with you. As he goes to the cross, Jesus is entrusting himself, as had David when Philistines had captured him, entrusting himself to the God who puts his children's tears in a bottle and writes them down in a book. Psalm 56, verse 8. Jesus invites the daughters to give him their tears too and let them let him take them to the cross to put them in his bottle, write them in his book. And I submit that he invites you and me to do the same. So a word of permission, it's okay to hurt. Second, a word of pardon. Verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Trumped up charges, cowardly authorities, justice miscarried, insurrection and murder overlooked, fickle crowds, shaming taunts, silent friends, humiliating, humiliating nakedness, excruciating pain a suffocating end. Other martyrs had died cursing their oppressors, calling down the wrath, and with every reason to invoke one of the many imprecatory psalms at his disposal, like, say, Psalm 3, verse 7. Rise up, O Lord! Set me free, O my God! Surely you will strike all my enemies across the faith, across the face, you will break the teeth of the wicked. Instead, Jesus goes the route of the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 50 that we read. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. If I have no other reason to love him, I have this. Knowing full well all that I am and all that I have done, Jesus stands before the divine tribunal and says, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what he is doing. Which leads me to three, a word of promise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' arms of love are spread on the hardwood of the cross between two rightly condemned criminals. Luke says they were 
the word is literally evildoers. It's a generic term. And I'm kind of glad he uses a, gene a generic term because it's easy for any of us to write ourselves into it. And that's what he wants us to do. Matthew and Mark had called them thieves, a term that Jewish historian Josephus applied to revolutionaries or terrorists. And in fact, crucifixion was usually used for crimes against the Roman peace. But Luke uses the general term, evil doers, and who cannot name themselves among such. One is still making excuses. Now, if you're familiar with uh, the, the traditional Eastern Orthodox cross, I know it's kind of hard to see in the choir loft, but they don't give you binoculars. I, well, the traditional Eastern Orthodox cross has at the foot a smaller cross piece. One goes down, the other goes up. Now, the Bible tells us that one is on the left and one is on the right, but because, and I'm pretty sensitive to this because I'm left-handed, it's a right-hand prejudiced world. The thief on the left is the one who says no to Jesus, and the thief on the right is the one who says yes. So the left arm is going down because that's where the thief on the left is going. And the one on the right is going up, and Jesus' head is turned to the, towards the one on the right. Well, whether he's really on the left or on the right, one is still making excuses. The other acknowledges very simply he had been wrong. And his cry of faith is really quite simple, but it's also quite profound. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 42. That's all it takes to open the gates of paradise. I've been wrong. Remember me. Paradise. Now, eulogies to the departed often romanticize the paradise that awaits depending on the deceased's likes, uh, maybe a golf course, maybe a favorite fishing hole, a gardening spot, or in Bible ease, streets of gold, angel wings, even though those terms are never really used for heaven. Fact is, the Bible gives us little to go on in filling out the landscape of where saints go and where this man's paradise will be between physical death and the final resurrection. The book of Revelation envisions it as simultaneously reigning with Christ, chapter 20, verse 4, and crying out from beneath the altar of God, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging? The Apostle Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. And the Book of Common Prayer elegantly puts it in terms of death, placing us in the nearer presence of the Lord, of life being changed, not ended. And it's why at every Eucharist we unite, join our voices with the hosts that have gone before us. Point is, whatever paradise 
prior to resurrection looks like exactly where it is precisely that Jesus is taking this gentleman who says, I've been wrong, remember me. Wherever it is, there is a there that awaits. Even more importantly, being there, Jesus says, is a being with me. Whatever has rightly, whatever has rightly put me under condemnation, all I'm asked to do is acknowledge it. Maybe it's trying to fix the world, but only making it worse. Maybe it's not caring at all about the world, just myself. Maybe I'm consumed by anger or lust or greed or envy. Maybe I loathe even myself and I'm caught up in a web of self-destructive behaviors. What Luke would have me do here at the beginning of Holy Week is three things. One, know that I have permission to acknowledge the hurt that is about me and in me. Two, hear Jesus' word of pardon. Really hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And three, take hold of Jesus' word of promise and say from the heart, oh, I have been wrong. Jesus, remember me. Amen.